This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, my name's Daryl Ong and you're tuned in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world and to our Road to Tokyo series where we put a spotlight on Malaysian representatives at the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. This week on the program, we look into the world of artistic gymnastics. Downhearted after missing on an Olympics qualification in 2019, an unexpected turn of events has put Jeremiah Liu on the brink of making it to Tokyo in July as one of the two representatives from the Asian continent. The cancellation of the Asian Championships in China, which was supposed to be an Olympics qualifying tournament, was a blessing in disguise as the 2019 results were instead taken into account. Malaysia never had more than one gymnast taking part in the Olympic Games and once confirmed, Jeremiah will join top women's gymnast Farah and Hadi as the two artistic gymnast representatives. 23-year-old Jeremiah, a man who won gold at the KLC Games, which effectively ended Malaysia's 16-year drought in men's gymnastics, he's hoping to follow in the footsteps of his coach's elder brother, Eng Shu Wai, who became Malaysia's first male gymnastics Olympian when he competed in the 2004 Athens Games. Jeremiah Lu joins us on the program this week. Yeah, I started gymnastics when I was seven. It's actually because of my brother and my parents. Oh. Yeah, my, my father was a gymnast, you know, playing gymnast in his school. And when my, my father brought my brothers into gymnastics, when I was young, when I was like age of four or five, always went to see my brother's training and some kind of things. And I find it's very interesting and really fun. And I go to start flipping myself, flipping around in the gym. And end up, my coach look at me and say, "Hey, just join. You you look potential and some kind of things, yeah." Mm. And this is how I started my gymnastics. So your family is pretty much a gymnastic family, lah. Put it that yeah, way. Yeah, not only my father. Mm. I mean, my mother is not uh, involved in sports, but my father, my brother, and my sisters. That's, yeah. that's great to have that kind of close support system, right? For for your yeah, career, yeah, yeah. like you said, you know, you started at seven years old, but you. At the early age then, right? I'm sure you were just, like you said, you're doing flips just for fun and stuff yeah, like correct. that. When did it start becoming competitive for you? Um, it's actually starting on age 11. Yeah. 11 is my first Sukma mm-hmm. that I competed. Uh, by that time in Malaysia, gymnastics is really, you know, really fun and there's a lot of people that I could know. They're strong, they're kind and for the competition I still remember because I'm the youngest in, in the competition so I got a lot of interviews a lot of people come and talk to me so <laughs> I feel really fun <laughs> feel like a star yeah <laughs> um, were you nervous right. at all going into that first competition you, you're from Penang so you represented Penang in, in Sukma right yeah for that time I, I just think that um, it's just competition as my coach my coaches always told me mm. just go and enjoy your Condition, enjoy your performance and don't be nervous. Mm. And, and look where you are now, you know, you're one of the leading men gymnasts in, in, in the country. So I think gymnastics giving me a lot of confidence because I can flip around and I can show it off to my friends that I can flip, I can do handstands. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great skill to have for sure. Um, right now, Jeremiah, you're doing business management, right, at Unita. Yeah. How? Was. 
was. Oh, you graduated already? Yeah, I graduated. Very nice. Um, bring me back to then, you know, you were pretty much in the national setup when you were studying. How did you juggle your studies and sport? Yeah, it's pretty hard for me because um, I actually left Malaysia when I was 15. That's right. And yeah, China. I went to China for three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that makes me that my English and, and because I, I didn't study there. So make me my English, my Malay and some kind of stuff really bad. Mm. And when I came back here, I decided to start study and it's really hard for me. And I need to take care of my trainings and studies. The hardest part for me was I can really hard to catch up with my, you know, class. Mm. Yeah. Was it pretty much like, you know, going to school from morning to evening and then after that straight away training and then repeat every day yes correct um the COVID-19 pandemic uh, we have to talk about it has you know affected everyone yourself included um how has training been different you know when looking pre-pandemic to today last time Mm. before COVID has happened the training is quite you know chill and because after training you can go whenever you want to chill and relax you can talk to your friends your families and during this COVID now, mm, I feel quite intense actually. Intense because we can only yeah we can only only stay stay in the complex and we cannot even go out. We can only talk talk to family through you know video call or WhatsApp or some kind of things. And mm. it's really hard to express yourself sometimes mm. to other people. Everything you think is just training and training and training. That's it. Um, Jeremiah, let's talk about your time in China now. You spent three years there. I spent one year in Guangzhou, one year in Kunming, and one year in Beijing. That's crazy. So three different Chinese cities. And, you know, gymnastics and China just go hand in hand, right? The the culture, the gymnastics yeah. culture there is completely different. So much more intense than what you have here uh, in yes, the home country. Yes, correct. Tell us about the experience. What do you observe? Their training schedule is crazy. You know, if com- compete, compare with Malaysia, hmm. because uh, now we training like the most will be like two sessions per day, but there they will be training four sessions, four sessions per day or three sessions per day. Wow, that's crazy! Be, I, yeah, when I was fifteen, I was like always waking up at five, then start my training at six, then finish at eight, I go for breakfast, I came back, then I go for training again at nine. Yeah, then after twelve, until twelve. I go back for lunch, I get some nap, and go for training again at three. Mm. Yeah, so the training is very intense and all the players are very good. You need to catch up with them. And they are actually quite friendly. They will teach you like even when you're wrong or you're wrong on any techniques or anything. Yeah. That's I think the difference between China and Malaysia is that China really, you know, focus on their sports. Mm. Because Malaysia, you need to go for study and you need to focus on sport. That's really hard for, for athletes. Correct, yeah. And in China, yeah, in China, they really focus on their sport because if they achieve very high level, they will automatically um, get a, you know, certi- certificate for, you know, for future or anything. Yeah. Mm, that's the whole um, infrastructure, right, that encourages you to uh, pick up gymnastics more professionally, um, I guess but also yeah, an, an, yeah. another thing Jeremiah you, you, you're pretty much a diamond in the rough because you started young um, but in China mm-hmm. they start even younger than that right um, yeah yeah correct they start like age of three I think the <laughs> youngest yeah mm. that's crazy so you've experienced I guess uh, gymnastic culture at the highest level um, if you can um, 
were there any lessons that, that you think Malaysia can learn from them in terms of grooming the next generation of athletes? I, I hope that Malaysian athletes can learn from China that they are really putting much effort than all the Malaysian athletes. That's, mm. really, that's really obvious because I've been there for three years and I can understand like, how the China, Ch- Chinese things mm. and compared to Malaysia. Mm. Um, talking a bit about, I guess, the characteristics and what makes a good gymnast, um, flexibility, agility, coordination, endurance. Um, for you, though, um, what do you, would you say are your core strengths uh, when it comes to gymnastics? I don't think I have something that very advantage, like very good. I think I'm more to average, yeah. I'm not I'm flexible, but not, not very flexible, like, you know, redoing gymnast. Mm. And I'm really strong. I mean, like strength. I got strength, but I'm not as strong as, you know, like the weightlifters or something. So I think for every gymnast, they are most fully more average, you know. For the top gymnasts, they are all average. They are all good, yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. You have to find that balance, right? You cannot uh, put, yeah, put so much strength, but you also need the flexibility and agility yes. Um, yes, as, as, as well. Um, some, something you did mention, um, I think earlier this year, is that there, there are two aspects of your game which you aim to improve on, right? The floor exercise and the horizontal bar. Yes, correct. Um, I guess those two are your inverted commas weak points, lah. Uh, yeah. of today um, how have you been training differently have you been focusing your efforts on these two disciplines um, right now yes uh, I've been focusing floor, floor exercise and horizontal bar you know, this month or last two months mm. because this has been my weakness mm. and apparently it's improving a lot I'm very glad that it's improving a lot on my floor exercise and horizontal bar and the floor has even you know improved a lot of tanks point and even even high bar even mm. though for me it's quite hard because the higher the difficulty the the more fatigue yeah actually the more tired the more fatigue yeah get. the more tired mm. that's a great point though Jeremiah when you know you know athletes tend to push themselves and sometimes they don't know when they go over their limit yes. right and risk injury at the same time right yeah how do you find that that, that, that bar, you know, how do you know when it's, you're training or pushing yourself too hard? Is it the coach's responsibility or is it something you have to know yourself? Um, I think both responsibilities. I need to know uh, what I want and I need to push myself to that level. And coach have the responsibilities to, you know, mm, to control me to what, when should I stop and when should I push. Mm. Yeah. So recently I've come with my coach really well and I've pushed myself a lot and my coach is trying to control me a little bit mm. because he told me that um, if you push too much just what if what if you injured right now and Olympic has been your dream if you injured right now you 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 just you know lose your opportunities to go to your dream yeah yeah, take it easy, Jeremiah. So, yeah, I think us Malaysians as well are waiting yeah, yeah, for you right. to go to uh, yeah, thank Tokyo. You. So, um, talking a bit, about moving away from phys- the physical side, going into mental now, right? Mm-hmm. Artistic gymnastics mm-hmm. is pretty much a performance sport, right? You're putting on performance um, yes. for the judges. Yes. All eyes in the arena all are on you. How do you prepare, man, for this kind of um, tournaments mentally? Um, we, we always do visualization before before the conf- uh, performance. Mm. And there's one thing that really works on me. Just 
don't look at the audience. Look at your apparatus. Yeah, this is what works for me. Mm. When when I starting performance, I will just look at the apparatus and think back of what I've trained, what I have, you know, worked so hard for, and it's time for my performance. It's time to show to other people that what I've do, what I've done in my training. Mm. Yeah. Um. I mean. For for the foreseeable future, Jeremiah, um, I guess most arenas will be void of spectators, right? There won't be any spectators in Tokyo, for example. Yeah, if correct. you do make it, do you yeah. see that as an advantage? Um, I don't think so because I think for athletes, they, for me, I I don't know others, but for me, I think I also need some you know audience to cheer around, applause. Mm. Even not for me, but I can still feel the atmosphere. It will be much better than you know. There's better than no audience. It yeah. just feel like training. Understand. Mm, I mean, yeah. um, if it's any consolation, Jeremiah will be watching you on TV, and we all be clapping if you did your routine well. So yeah, the support is you. from you know from this side. Uh, Jeremiah, let's talk a bit about your achievements and your accomplishments so far. Um, I guess 20, the 20, 2017 SEA Games, you know, the Pommel Horse gold medalist, a uh, Shad gold medalist, right? The KLC yeah, yeah, Games. Um, this is quite a, I guess, a good historic moment because you ended a long medal drought in men's gymnastics in, in Malaysia. Bring us back to that moment, you know. How, how did it feel like? It's really happy because we've been, I mean, at least 16 years, I think. Yeah. Without winning a gold medal in SEA Games. Long time, yeah. And yeah, before before 2017 SEA Games, we trained really hard for that gold medal. Because that, that was the only chance for us. I mean, maybe for the teams as well. But after the team event, we realized that Vietnam are really strong. Vietnam. And mm. we were, yeah, we were 10 points below them. Even though we, we did it like, almost perfect routine for everyone but still we lose 10 points and that was really sad for us by that time and also we thought that we trained so hard I trained so hard for the pom house and it's time for me to get the goal for you know so so many years mm. and I'm really happy that I could manage to you know finish my performance and grab that gold medal yeah and, and you know ending like you said a 16 year 16 year drought you know uh, and what yeah. more to do it in your own home country right in KL yeah that's right mm. that's right uh, fast forward 2018 the Asian Games you, your all rank it was rank 14 um, how do you feel about your performance then and you know what could have been better mm, actually 2018 Asian Games wasn't the best performance for me I had few mistakes like big mistakes and Mm, I don't really satisfied with that performance. I could have, you know, be more better than that. I could be done better than that. And after 2018, you know, Asian Games, I came back, I trained harder and harder mm. to, you know, prepare. Prepare for the next tournament. M many thought, you know, um, I guess you quit or you thought of retiring uh, after yeah. the Philippine Sea Games, right? Yes. You had a shoulder injury. You suffered a shoulder injury. You couldn't even raise your hand over ninety degrees, yes, right. right? At that time, tell us how. Mm -hmm. Tell us how the injury happened and how you overcame it. Um, that injury was started when twenty nineteen June. Mm. Yeah, I injured during training when I was doing rings, performing rings, and that was the time that 
the injury started and it wasn't that bad yet. It wasn't that bad yet. But uh, me and my coach, we we decide to continue training. Well, of course, under treatment, we continue training because I'm preparing for the you know, 2019 World Championships in Stuttgart. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a qualification for Olympics. That's the reason why I continue training and under treatment. Then uh, after that, um, I think in October, yeah, right before right before World Championships, I hurt it again and make it worse. Mm. And I decided to have injections. Yeah. Right. So the the result is not good for me in World Championships. I didn't I didn't manage to qualify to to the Olympics. Then and actually by the time it was really sad that I trained so hard, I you know, I say I tahan the pain until like mm, I tahan the pain to go for the condition. But still end up I I couldn't manage to qualify the Olympics. But after that my coach told me that okay it's it's over. Let's think about Sea Games. Yeah, right. Let's move on. Okay. So after I came back, I started training again and I enjoyed it during Parabar. That that was, that was I I almost found the ligament uh tendon. I almost found the tendon. Right. That that's the time that I almost no, I I couldn't couldn't barely raise my arm. Mm. It's almost a career threatening injury, right? That one, especially for your sport. Um. Yeah. That that's the worst injury. Mm. That's the worst injury for me. Mm. So you wanted you thought of retiring for my career. Yeah, you thought of retiring. You thought of throwing in the towel, giving up gymnastics completely. What made you change your mind? As I said, like, uh, my mom scolded me. <laughs> my mom scolded me that you've been training for you know seventeen years, and You've been to China for three years. You gave up your studies. You gave up your education. And you put so much effort in gymnastics. And you didn't even, you know, achieve your dream yet. You didn't even enter Olympics yet. Why do you want to give up? And do you really think that your shoulder couldn't, you know, fully recover? You know, look at all the athletes. Not even Malaysia. Look at all the athletes worldwide, international. A lot of athletes also, you know, really bad injuries, had surgery, everything. But still, if you're mentally strong, you can come back. You, know, you can come back. And that's, that's the reason why I, I, I you know, give up, give up retiring and come back to training. Because I think that there's actually one more chance for me to you know, qualify to, to the Tokyo 2020 is this year Asian Championship. That, that was supposed to be held in China. Mm. That's that's one of my chance. So I started to come back in training and train really, really hard for that. And, and, and you know, that mom's scolding really pushed you and you are this close now. You're so close to making it to Tokyo. Your mom must yeah. be happy then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, was, I was glad that my mom scolded me and changed my mind. Mm. If not, I will be, you know, losing these opportunities. Yeah. Mm. After that shoulder injury, after you got the injury, did, did, did you think that, okay, you know what, I might heal from my injury, but I won't be 100%, especially in such a short uh, time, right? I, I used to think that, um, I think that because it's really bad, um, I used to think that maybe it could heal, but, you know, not 100%. And I've, I've also been, you know, look for help for psychologists, and mm, yeah. they told me that, there's 
there's no injury that couldn't be 100% healed. I mean, like, sorry, there's no injury can be 100% healed. The, there, there will be, I mean, like, there will be, but not all the injuries will be 100% healed. But it can be 90% mm. to be healed, mm. right? 90% um, doesn't really affect your training or condition. So I think that, yeah, correct. Even even now, my shoulders sometimes will uh, feel pain when I was performing rings. But that's, I think that's something like, you know, mental problem. I don't think it's, I think it's actually healed. But it's just that I always think that, like, oh, yeah. my shoulder is still pain. Mm. Yeah, there's some kind of mental problem. Yeah. Mm. So, well, at least you know that it's a mental problem and not a physical yeah. one, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, yeah, so I mean, you're this close. We are all hoping the best for you. Look, looking at uh, the Olympics, looking at Tokyo, are you right now re-strategizing your performance, training in the sense that you assume that you're going to Tokyo? Yes, yes. Hmm. Um, for because I knew about this last month, so after that I've been training for like preparing for going to the Olympics, even though I. Like, maybe I don't, but still, I'm still preparing for Olympics. Mm. I will do my best in the Olympics to show that my parents, my friends, that why do I give up so much on other things just to focus on gymnastics? Mm. Yeah. And uh, another thing, Jeremiah, is that you might make a, a, another piece of history. You know, Malaysia has never had more than one gymnast taking part in the Olympic Games. And if you do make it, both you and Farah and are going to be um, the two representatives for Malaysia. So um, any expectations yet or targets for Tokyo if you do make it? Mm, I'm actually aiming for a second round for the, you know, whatever events, whatever apparatus. And I'm hoping I make it second second round because that uh, in the history, Malaysian gymnast never make, made it to second round. So. Mm. They want to make it a history. Mm. And yeah, that's a target, but there's no specific events or anything. Besides the Olympics, uh, Jeremiah, what's up coming for you? Any next tournaments apart from the Olympics? After the Olympics, there will be World Championships in Japan. And after that, will be SEA Games in Vietnam. Yeah, this, these two are the conditions for this year, target. And for next year, there will be Commonwealth and Asian Games. Yeah. yeah, we're all looking forward to see you perform uh, well on those but um, if there's anyone listening to this now um, fans of Jeremiah Lu do you have any advice for you know people who want to pick up gymnastics? Um, for the people there who want to start gymnastics just enjoy it flip around and you'll find where you are yeah that was artistic gymnast Jeremiah Liu, who's on the brink of representing Malaysia at the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Bar None and our Road to Tokyo series, where we cast the spotlight on Malaysian Olympians. If you'd like to revisit the interview with Jeremiah, do remember that the podcast will be up real soon on our website, www.bfm.my. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can tweet the station at BFM Radio. My name's Sarah Ong. This has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week on here on BFM 89.9, the business station.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.